the path doesn't have to be straight. We have a lot of information that we can find Value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome back to the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm Sue Robinson. And I'm Vanessa Alava. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and comment on the show. Since the COVID-19 pandemic hit back in early 2020, the idea of going to the office has changed for just about every worker on the planet. Entire companies have shifted to remote work, Zoom has become the global conference room, and companies are reevaluating what the physical office will look like when people do come back together to do their jobs. We've all learned that how we work and where we work are not set in stone. Our guest today is Ria Klaus, Chief Client Officer with Lane, a no-code platform that transforms brick and mortar offices into thriving ecosystems. And today we're gonna talk about the future of work. Welcome, Ria. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to talk to you guys. We're so happy to have you on with us today. And before we dive into the future of work, how can our listeners connect with you online? They can find me on LinkedIn uh, or reach out through our Lane website at joinlane.com. I also have a sadly underutilized uh, Instagram account that uh, would <laughs> see more of my personal life and travels when we could do that. I have one of those too. <laughs> it's, it's gathering dust as we speak. I know. <laughs> Ria, talk with us about digital disruption in commercial real estate. Absolutely. Uh, when Lane first started out, you know, picture yourself going into this beautiful office tower downtown. It has art installations, a lobby, uh, a beautiful courtyard. And then there's a poster taped to the wall to tell you about your yoga program every Wednesday. And there was kind of this disconnect with these beautiful spaces, but we weren't communicating with the same thoughtfulness that has been put into how they're designed. And Lane first started with, let's communicate with people through a medium that they all use digital, their phones, uh, web portals, and things like that. Can we kind of take a deeper dive into how buildings that have been around for a long time need to step into the 21st century and what that looks like. So in my mind, our listeners have maybe a key fob and that's the most progressive thing into getting into in and out of their buildings, right? So how does this change the landscape for going in and out of work? Key fobs are a great example. Uh, We all use them. Sometimes it's a little disc or an access card to get in and out of a building. And now we are able to actually take those and, and put them into your phone, something that's with you at all times. It allows you to have you know, a digital solution rather than a physical one. It's a lot more nimble and it's easy to change and update, which saves a lot of time for you know, those people who are managing the building or the office and all those cards. But it's also easier for me to keep my phone in my purse. And as I walk up to a turnstile, it's going to open because it knows it's me and it knows that this is where I work. Commercial real estate is huge. It's a multi-trillion dollar industry in the United States alone. And it hasn't really had to adapt or change because, you know, you needed an office for your companies. But the way that, you know, the modern employee thinks about their job, it is, it is their job, but it's also the experience around it. 
You know, where is my office located? What amenities are available to me? You know, is what is the air quality like in the building? Are there is there plants? Is there nice lighting, uh, like natural lighting? And those are things that have really come to the forefront as we've shifted to provide more of a, a service to the people who work in these buildings and lease space in the buildings rather than just providing the space itself. Part of what we want to sort of delve into today is the future of work um, and what that will look like. Can you give us a peek into the future? What will our physical office spaces look like? What will our um, use of those spaces look like? What do you see coming down the pipeline? Absolutely. Uh, We have the benefit of working with customers all over the world. So we've gotten to see how different regions and countries have begun reopening and how they've addressed challenges from COVID. And I think the answer to what the future holds is nobody really knows yet, but we can kind of follow the dotted lines of what we've seen over the last year and, and make some educated guesses there. I think the number one thing is, is flexibility. The way that we interact with the office uh, has really changed this year. The idea that everybody goes back to work as soon as we reopen is, isn't really what we've seen. It, it really is a more of a, a trickle back. You know, 10% of the building goes back than 20, than 60 as we build back up. And what that means is that you need to still connect with a physical space that you're not in because you're at home. This is really where technology is important. It also means that your office space and the way that you interact with it might differ depending on your role or your preference even um, when it comes to how much time you're spending in the office, what you're doing when you're there. We've seen a lot of uh, more collaborative spaces being created. We've seen a huge um, focus on wellness and well-being, you know, and not just yoga classes and a fitness center, but also uh, mental health, uh, meditation. Um, And that's been a really big shift with COVID. And it's been something that we can offer anyone regardless of where they may be located. You know, you don't need to be in the office to do a yoga class. We can set up a virtual digital one you can join in from home. And it's been really great to see some of the new innovations that have come from that this year. It's really transforms the idea of your workplace. It's not just about doing work. It's about these other areas of life that are now interwoven into work. I mean, it used to be the the worker would go into the office, they'd put in their eight-hour day, they'd get in their car and they'd go home and it would be a separate life, right? But it's not that way anymore. I mean, you're talking about things like mental health and physical well-being and uh, 24-7 access to that digital space that is your workspace. And it's really this interweaving of our personal lives with our work lives. I was also thinking of it in the sense of um, how consumers are wanting to connect with brands in a different way where it aligns with their values. So this is almost very analogous to that where, you know, employees of organizations that are located in a physical space want more of that physical space to align with their um you know, mind, body, soul, like it's, it's a holistic perspective. And something else we've seen is a lot more in the flexible office space, the idea that, you know, I may not be located in the city center anymore. Uh, so perhaps more satellite offices, more offices located near major transit hubs so that they're easily accessible for people who are only commuting a couple days a week. Uh, but what that also means is that perhaps there's two or three different offices that I frequent. 
And the way that I interact with them by putting over a technology layer can be the same no matter where I am. So you can have that great experience if you are in the main office or if you're in a satellite office. And, and that's been really uh, great for a lot of employees. Uh, we've seen a lot of people moving with the pandemic. You know, we don't suddenly need to all be right downtown. You know, this is really interesting, too, the more I think about it. This is a great value add as an employer to an employee. If you don't potentially have the resources to really build a robust compensation or benefits package, but you're in a building that has these capabilities, it mm-hmm. that serves as your, hey, this is what we're offering because we're part of this ecosystem. For a company, it's a recruitment tool. You know, we want at, at Lane, at any company, we want the absolute best employees that we can find. And we need to offer something in return for that. And this is a huge part of it. I have a question looking at the future of work. Do you, because so many people have moved to remote, um, do you see a real sea change in how many companies are going to have physical office space in general or the size, the footprint of that office space? Because I know a lot of people actually, actually prefer working from home and they're able to do that they're really consolidating. So to have fewer larger offices that people can visit, you know, maybe once a week or once a quarter. Different types of companies work better in person and, and collaboratively. If you're if you're in a creative field, it is really hard to to do this remote. So if I have a team of 10 but five people on my team work from home, I need to get into a boardroom so that we can all have that feeling of being together. We don't need everybody in here at once, but when people are here, it needs to matter and it needs to be productive and it needs to be inspiring and like a destination. So that's a lot of the change we've seen um, in the utilization of the space, not necessarily the overall amount of it. I definitely feel like this is very experiential, right? Is it, how is it going to add mm-hmm. value to my life in the other areas that, that matter, not just my job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another question I have regarding the future of work and how technology will affect when we go back into a physical workspace is the question of technologies that will sense things like temperature um, or flag employees who maybe have a fever or have an illness that they're starting to brew. What do you see happening in the physical office space technology-wise from a health and safety perspective? In, in the beginning, um, there was two major initiatives that we saw across the board. And the first was decals, like putting stickers on things to say, here's a footprint sticker, stand here, putting the stickers six feet apart. And then the second one was around sensor technology and, you know, measuring the number of people in a space with sensors to, you know, maybe look at the occupancy of your building before you get there or temperature screeners and sensors. And we actually have not seen... Uh, a large-scale rollout of any of that. I think part of it is a privacy concern as well. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, how do you get around HIPAA? And, you know, yeah, it's a privacy concern. It's their personal Mm -hmm. information. Suddenly at scale, if if we're gathering that type of information, I, I don't think anybody's comfortable with that. I'm glad you said that because I think that's a fear that people have, right? And you hear about it in the news and this could be, you know, in the future, your employer is going to be monitoring your temperature or who you've been exposed oh. to. Or stuff. So it's, it's helpful to dispel some of that and realize that uh-huh. this is not taking off 
um, the way people maybe fear that it is. Yeah, because where does it stop? You know, if you mm-hmm. if you open that door, how far does it like open that? How wide Absolutely. does it open? Yeah. And even, you know, we, we work with a number of clients and, and like I said, this isn't something that anybody's rolled out anywhere. Even they were like, oh, we do not want this information on people like that. Absolutely not. And it's, uh, it was, it's nice and, and refreshing to see, um, because I, I agree. I do think that is a fear for people, even the idea of, um, you know, putting a, a new application on your phone that you're going to use at work. And, you know, it's not here to, to be big brother. It's, it's here to streamline things for you so that when you book a meeting room, it, you can add catering and you don't have to make six phone calls or when you invite a visitor, it sends them an access card and a parking pass. And it's, it's that connection of all of these kind of little functions we do that aren't really our job, but that support our job. And how do we automate those away for people so that they can focus on what they're there to do? This is super, super niche. I don't even think I knew this existed before we spoke to you, just to be very transparent. So again, I go back to the key fob and that's as far as my knowledge went. Um, So kind of, can you dig into that a little bit for us? This really started as initially as a, as a communication tool. So with one property uh, here in Toronto, we were brought in to say the building had brand new, beautiful flagship building. They had spent all this money on building a gym. People weren't using the gym. So they're like, let's, you know, do a survey to understand why. And so instead of asking people how they liked the gym, went in and asked, would you use a gym if there was one in the building? Every single person said, absolutely, yes. The gym had been there for a year. And so we realized (laughs) the problem wasn't the amenities or the desire to use them. There was a communication gap. We weren't communicating effectively. And and this is where the very beginning solution was. Let's just communicate to everybody in this office building and let them know. So if you think of a huge office tower, say there's a hundred companies in there, buildings don't communicate with every person who works for those hundred companies. Every company kind of gets one representative that is, needs to pass the information out. And, you know, if you're that rep for your company and you're out sick that day or you're busy or your email just gets lost, then now your whole company doesn't get to know that, oh, you know, we just opened a gym in the building. So that's where we originally started with Lane was like, let's just talk to everybody, not just the office managers and the tenant reps, but every single person who works in the space. Hey, everybody. Sam McLean here from Inphase Audio audio producer and editor for the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, encouraging women and girls to step into emerging technologies and celebrating the accomplishments of those who do. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at McLean Sounds or check out my website, inphase.biz. Thanks for listening. Do you have any other forecast prognostications about what the future of work will look like technology-wise and physical workspace-wise that you want to share with us? You know, there's entire companies that do amazing work just at visitor management and amazing companies that do digital wellness programming. And I think they will all start coming together into, you know, workplace experience platforms. Just going back to how this all came to be, you found a need and and you guys thought of something very smart to put into play. And I I I just love that. If you're building an office tower, you kind of like you plan the hell out of that thing because you build it once and it's there and it's done. It's tangible, it's relatively permanent. 
And to bring in a cloud software into that space, something that is always updating and evolving and improving, is uh, it's a, it was a big challenge initially for people who work in such a tangible environment. Uh, but that's been one of the really exciting things is that, you know, adding this digital layer over the building, it's infinite possibilities for updates and improvements that don't require construction. All right. Let's talk about your career journey. Um, you sent us some notes. I want to ask you about something you sent us, how success means to bend but not break, bamboo diplomacy. Unpack that for us because I really like that term. I think that's cool. So I do not have a tech background. I went to school and studied history and French, which I am abysmal at. No discredit to my French teachers. And bamboo diplomacy was actually comes from uh, Southeast Asian uh, 20th century history where Thailand was one of the only countries to not be colonized. You know, um, French were colonizing Vietnam and it didn't happen in Thailand. And, you know, the whole historical philosophy and reason on that was this concept of bamboo diplomacy and the idea that bamboo is very strong, but it's also very flexible. And, you know, Thailand as a country was able to maintain their strength and their independence while also the flexibility of you know, the very tumultuous time that was happening in Southeast Asia. And I did not at, you know, in school learning that think, oh, this is going to apply to me in a future career in technology because I was at school to, to study history. But in retrospect, it's definitely something that served me well. And I think where it, where it manifests and where it comes out is uh, in putting planning and structure around things that are unknown and a little chaotic and being completely ready for all those plans to go out the window two minutes after you start. Because that's that's what it's been like to work in an industry that is new, that you know didn't exist. There's no rule book, there's no best practices, there's no benchmarks. We're figuring this out as we go. So what are our core philosophies that are important to us that we will not break? And what are the things we can be a little flexible on because we don't really know what we're doing? I think I personally really thrive in that kind of environment where, you know, we have a goal and we have no idea how we're going to get there. And there's an ever-changing constraints and parameters and realities that we just need to, to manage as we go. And I think, you know, personally, that's just more engaging for me. It's more interesting, uh, more challenging. Talk to us about um, being a female leader in tech. It's really a lot of pressure to say, you know, you're the only one in the room. And this has happened, you know, as we grow as a company and build out our parental leave policy. I'm not a parent or a caregiver, but at that moment, I was that person in the room being like, okay, how do we do this in a way that's going to be helpful and be representative and having the self-awareness to know that, you know, I'm not the right person maybe to make this choice, but right now I'm the only person to make this choice um, and doing the best, the best that I can there. And so I find that that's, challenging because it's almost frustrating that we have to add that woman prefix to everything. You know, it's like, you know, you can't just be in tech. You're like a woman in tech. And we don't say every man in tech is a man in tech. It's just like, they're just there. There's, they're all over the place. On the one hand, you know, I, I have a seat at the table, so to speak. And then there's an amount of responsibility with that to make room for others and to bring others forward and to make more space. So there's not just one seat at the table. 
I feel that the fact that you're even asking yourself that question makes you a really great person to be in that mm-hmm. position, though, because not many people take it from that perspective and articulate themselves so vulnerably as you just did and um, transparently and acknowledging all of those things. So I, I, I think that's half the battle right there is knowing it and and always remembering that. I find there's there's immediate amount of pressure when you get that woman in tech designation to be to just break every glass ceiling and just to like go rise to the top immediately. And it's also okay to not want that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and sometimes trying to be aware as a, as a leader of people within the company, you know, not everybody wants to be pulled into that right now. We all are at different places in our lives. And like, maybe it's not the time for me to devote all this extra energy to my career and my work. And that's also okay. Success can mean different things to different women. And that's okay. I mean, that's part of Mm -hmm. breaking the glass ceiling, right? Is is not saying that everybody has to define success in the same exact way. To me, that, that is true equality is like, not everybody has to make the same choice. Lightning round time. So our lightning round is just a fun little series of questions that we ask each of our guests to get to know them better. And just, you know, feel free to share the first thing that comes to your mind. And I'll start us off with, finish the sentence. Women are? Powerful. Indeed. What are three pieces of advice you'd give your younger self? Uh, Travel and don't feel guilty about it because you could be in a pandemic and not go on a plane for a a whole year. (laughs) Um, But no, that could happen. I had traveled a lot uh, when I was in university and it caused me to take longer than normal to finish university, but I I don't regret it now. I'm so glad I did that. Good for you. Any others? Just get started. You know, you'll get there. It's, you always feel a step behind someone else. You're two steps ahead of somebody else. So just, just get started. What celebrity would you cast to play you in a movie? Oh, I'm really bad at this. I don't think I've seen a movie, a new movie in years. Um, I feel like I really like Carrie Mulligan. I feel like if she, like, you know, got a little brunette. Uh-huh. We'll let her know. <laughs> What's your definition of success, Ria? Freedom to make my own choices. If you could start a movement that was guaranteed to go global, what would it be? Uh, food security, access to food knowledge for people on how to cook and prepare food. And I think that's something that, especially this year, has been really even more important. What's the worst piece of career advice you were ever given? Speak louder. This is as loud as I speak. I'm not going to, like, no. (laughs) (laughs) If I can't be heard at at this voice level, then I'm, I'm out. Describe the future in one word. Unrevealed. All right, last one. Fill in the blank. Blank like a girl. Lead. Love it. Thank you so much for your time today, giving us a peek into the future of work and all the ways that our employers can actually enrich our lives through the physical spaces that we're in. We really appreciate your time. Yes. And thank you for your presence and your groundedness. Mm -hmm. Like you're so grounded in the way you speak. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you both. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at We Get Real AF. 
and visit our website at www.wegetrealaf.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.